This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Before we get started, was it an unfortunate accident that you, Mark, and Daniel wore the same hoodie, or is it coordinated? <laughs> It wasn't, you know, you weren't kind of, you turn up and go, oh, not you as well. We're on, we're on brand. You are on brand. Giacomo have a sale. Oh! <laughs> You see, this is sweet relief because normally it's me that has the piss taken out of me by Gary. Anyway, we uh, den. No, so Liam, thanks for joining us. Um, you know, as as we all know, you are the uh, the fifth wheel in the Stacey West podcast. Um, you've been on definitely more times than Chris. Um, probably more times than Jake. You think you're catching gas up, so uh, you know it's all good. Um, but. Uh, if you don't mind, first off, can we talk about uh, Harvey and uh, Graham Rossini joining the board? Um, what does that mean for the football club in the long run and the short term? Yeah, good, good question. I think, first of all, let, let's start with um, what, what it isn't. So this is, it's not a takeover. Um, you know, Clive is, is very much our, our chairman and, and, and you know, the, the principal kind of owner of the football club. Um, but what, what it does do is, um, or what it's aiming to help is, is obviously in two areas. So first of all, You've seen the accounts that were recently published. We all know the state and the financial state of football. Um, and this football club requires investment of somewhere in the region of, of two to two and a half million um, each season in order to compete. And well, that's not um, an, an ideal place to be, um, but that's what you know. What, that's what the cost of competing um, does. So you know, we're very fortunate to have the Jabara family that are joining in and, and helping us and supporting us you know, financially. Um, but second of all, both Harvey and with Graham, who's a, a very respected um, sports executive from the States, um, we're, we're also going to get their expertise, their knowledge and their acumen in, in order to help us um, you know, run the football club and, and, and make you know, the, the best decisions we, we possibly can to kind of give you the scale and scope of Graham, Graham Racine. You know, Graham couldn't do any interviews this week um, because he's working on the Super Bowl um, as part of projects that, that we have in or that they're running in, in Phoenix. So, yeah, Graham's a, a very respected 
executive of sports, his, his, his knowledge, his acumen will, will come of great value to us. Um, but fundamentally, it's the deepening of the relationship between Lincoln City and the Jabara family um, and the board overall. And, and hopefully, yeah, uh, the sum of all parts can, can continue to drive this football club forward, you know, looking up the fit, you know, football pyramid, um, you know, uh, over time. And obviously, uh, talking about the, the skills on the board, when new people come on board, we always say they bring this and they bring that. But we shouldn't forget that we've got some really strong people on the board now who have been there for, for several years as well who we, we don't always talk about. Yeah, you know, just, just quick examples, you know, David Lowe's, you know, was, was chief of, you know, marketing officer of Samsung Europe, you know, Greg Levine was part of the team that launched the McLaren P1 car, you know, there's so many people that uh, are probably in the background um, to, to, to most of the fans um, would know in, in terms of this football club, but certainly to myself and the rest of the executive team, they're very heavily involved in helping shapers, um, you know, from, from some of the business planning, the Stacey West project, that certainly wasn't, you know, one or two people that, that kind of designed that scheme and came up with that. That's a range of people that have, that have helped um, in order to try and, you know, make, make the best as we, you know, best job we possibly can. So, yeah, the, the acumen is, is incredibly important to us. Um, you know, we're not a dictator ownership type football club, which some clubs are. Like, quite honestly, that has its benefits and it has it has its weaknesses. Um, but certainly, yeah, the people that we have on the board, I, I personally believe, and I'm biased, but we're incredibly lucky to have them, um, and they all add value in their own way and in their own specialism. The other thing that I think it's, it'd be remiss not to say, they're incredibly respectful um, in terms of, I suppose, sticking in their lanes and helping where they can. So. Um, I think the reason why it does work having so many people involved, and I think there's 12, 13 people on the board, um, is because everybody knows, I suppose, their area of specialism, um, is very happy to help and lend a hand um, and critique. Um, but, but equally, you know, it, it's not like we're, when we try to make decisions, we're, we're trying to go around the room and, you know, get 12, 15 people to, to kind of yay or nay. So, yeah, I think we've got a model that works for us. Um, and, and come, you know, long may that continue as, um, as like I say, as, as we continue to try and progress the football club. Um, sorry, Ben, um, but also just kind of sticking with the board as well, if I may, and it's, it's not on the sheet, my apologies, but the importance of the continued involvement of the Reddings Community Trust kind of keeping the, um, the, the connection there with the fans at the same time. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that we've always maintained as part of the football club is we are just the temporary custodians. Um, so, you know, if I'm lucky enough to be here for another five years, that'll be, you know, ten years at this football club, and that in the history of Lincoln City is just a mere dot. Um, and I think the, the relationship with the Red Imps Community Trust and the relationship with the fans is incredibly important to us. Obviously, through the legacy of, of things that happened in the past, um, the club naturally has two, two directors, um, uh, fan representatives on the board. But, you know, what we don't want to do is just say that that's enshrined in our, in our articles or that's enshrined in, in terms of, um, you know, the governance that we have and, and almost pay lip service. It's an incredible Hey guys, it's Ben. Uh, just a quick one. This was actually a bit of a technical slip as well. Um, some audio started playing over the speakers, which disrupted Liam's question. So unfortunately, uh, we didn't quite get the full answer on that one, even on the evening. Uh, we did have a bit of a laugh at my expense, though, which you know seems to be <laughs> about the way of the Stacey West podcast. Um, so we're just going to cut around that and come back in at the next question for Liam. Oh, and here's an advert as well. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> I'll tell you what, let's move on let's to another question. Just sticking with kind of um, with Graham and Harvey and the board as well. Obviously, um, in the uh, in the not so distant past, we announced a partnership with San Diego Loyal as well. Um, kind of what what do you envision that looking like in real terms? Where are we at? Kind of um, where are we on that journey? And do you see any other? I mean, this was one we were sending. Do you see any other partnerships, particularly with the likes of Lincoln Redims of Gibraltar? Yeah, so I think, look, you know, I, I know, I suppose my role at times is, is pantomime villain or even villain at times because my, my job is to look at the commercial aspect of the football club and understand, you know, how we, um, you know, what, you know, the funds that can come in and that, that can ultimately drive us forward and, and all play, play part of that funding model. Um, I think it's clear to see that um, whether it's because of the Netflix documentary, whether it's because of what's going on, you know, elsewhere in the world, you know, uh, the, the Americas are, are a huge opportunity for for football clubs right now um and we should you know we should certainly be exploring what that can mean to us um, from a commercial aspect growing the fan base um, if we are to be successful you know and if we are you know to be promoted from this league which we, we hope to be one day you know we are going to have to go toe to toe with with bigger you know football clubs with a bigger fan base and and, and you know bigger reach and, and that might be because of the geographical location and the city that they're, that they're in or the town that they're in or, or equally that might be because of the, the wider commercial model so yeah our job is to kind of explore those and, and, and sorry for the kind of quirky term but new markets it is to ensure that we can um, you know look at the opportunities that are out there so the partnership with, with, with San Diego Loyal for example um, has just come about in terms of how can we, you know, increase our engagement, you know, over over that part of of, uh, of America in terms of San Diego. We've obviously got the relationship with the Jabara family, Landon Donovan, who's uh, involved in coming over in the in the next few weeks. Um, and, and selfishly, how can that benefit both organisations? Um, you know, we're learning from them as well in in terms of the back office and you know their approach to data and other things. So yeah, I think. You know, it, it's not the most sexist of subjects. It's certainly not the most interesting of subject. But fundamentally, it's about it's about learning about sports business, understanding the the the, the challenges and the opportunities that we have ahead of us, and and yeah, see, seeing what what you know what we can develop. Um, you know, work, working with a club that aren't in our you know our, our natural competitors um, from a sporting and, and from a non-sporting point of view. Did you have a QE team players wanting a loan to San Diego the day it was announced? Um, yeah, there's quite a few people fancying a bit of a recce over there, that is, uh, that is for sure. I wouldn't mind a podcast loan. <laughs> Neither would I on the strength of tonight. We'll talk. It's alright, I'll go, it's fine. Um, so, uh, with the Stacey West development now officially greenlit and moving ahead, um, how are the plans coming along? When are you aiming to get started? And how long do you anticipate the work taking? 
Um, will there be any games that have like a reduced capacity, or is it all in the closed season? It's like a quiz, isn't it? Trying to remember all the questions. Do you, want to read, you can read them off there if you want to run that bit. There. There we go. Yeah. Um, so we are just waiting for one final um, confirmation. Some legals over the, the the power supply area, but as soon as we get that, that could be between one month and six months. Then we can put a spade in the ground. I'm hoping it's closer to to one month than it than it is six, but that's out of our hands. Um, There'll be no disruption to the inside of the stadium. Um, any works that we'll do there will either be done in a closed season or if it falls um, when we're in season, then we'll, we'll find an appropriate gap in the fixtures or a suitable time in the fixtures in, in order to, to do that. But yeah, really excited to see that project come to fruition. It's, it's been four or five years in the planning um, now, so it's, it's great to get it over the line. Um, but yeah, fundamentally we're, we're, we're all but there now, we're just ready to put the spade in the ground um, as, as soon as we get the approval from the relevant authorities to, to crack on. Smashing. Look, let's, let's cut to um, what's going to be a really meaty subject. Obviously you and, you and I spoke a little bit over January, the transfer window. Um, I understand obviously from, from talking to, to Mark and Danny it was challenging. Uh, but how was it for you and, and what was different this year to other years? <clears throat> how was it? Um, yeah, stressful, horrific at times. Um, I think one thing that I just want to make sure that we're all aware, and I think we are aware of this, but it's not like football manager or FIFA. It's not just a case of putting an offer in, trying to agree terms. Um, once you've agreed terms with the club, agreed terms with the players, you know, the, the, there are human beings involved at, at the middle of this. There are families involved. Um, and equally, the, the wider element is you're often involved in a chain that, that isn't within your gift and isn't within your control, especially at League One, where fundamentally, you know, you have to move players on in order to create headroom in your budget. Um, but looking at the top of the game, you've got to look at other other moves uh, and other changes that are going on. And quite truthfully, you know, uh, Mark Tracy, who's heavily involved in, in our recruitment, you know, our, our chief scout, he spends probably the majority of his time trying to understand what's going on in chains elsewhere in order to give us an understanding of the, the probability that, you know, something that we may have lined up, you know, the, the chances of it, of it happening happening or not. Um, one of the things that I do think is worth sharing, and, and there's a bit of insight, but there was a fundamental change in our game that's happened since the last January transfer window, and is that, that's the fact that we have five from seven subs now. Um, and the availability of players and clubs releasing players or moving players throughout the system, that has fundamentally changed um, their approach. There was far less player availability in this January transfer window than I've ever seen. And, and I, you know, my, my belief is that's come down to the, the rules that we collectively voted to, to change. Um, we voted against that rule just for the, for the reckoning. I, you know, I, I just think um, it, it's ridiculous clubs at our level um, you know, having to, to come up with five from, from seven substitutes. Um, I think it just makes squads bigger. I think it just makes helps the richer clubs. Um, so, you know, that was one of the reasons we voted against it. But fundamentally, the net effect is that you have clubs, certainly bigger clubs, um, just stockpiling players that, that aren't going to be, you know, that aren't going to feature. So I think it's extremely unfair on the players. Um, and equally, what it does do is I think it just creates more, more pressure um, on the wider transfer market itself. So, you know, we were learning as we were going through it. Um, you know, it wasn't something that we, we probably anticipated was going to be the case beforehand. But equally, you, you constantly, you know, you're constantly juggling. So, you know, I know we took a lot of flack for letting Tom go, um, you know, be, before the Cambridge game, you know, and, and then it kind of subsequently broke that we hadn't quite had a replacement lined up. Well, you know, one thing I will, I will share and I don't mind sharing with you is one of the challenges we had 
in, in convincing you know somebody to, to join us in that position is the opportunity to play and when you know when somebody in that position is your club captain and your number nine um, you know agents players are probably always going to be skeptical um, that, that their, their client you know their, their man is going to get the opportunity to play and we never promise anybody game time we never you know nobody comes into this football club with a guarantee of playing but what you are looking to show players in the January transfer window that are looking to, to get games in the second half of the season is you've got to show them that they've got an opportunity to play um, so we had a decision to make um, just as Colchester were, were you know were ready to move on and you know, Tom's situation was, was coming to a bit of a head. And, and that was, I suppose, stick or twist. And, you know, we could either do nothing and, and, and likely then nothing further would happen or we had to agitate or we had to make a decision in the market. Now, it played out well, I think, and, and hopefully you guys backed us. But, yeah, we could have looked like prize chumps on the, on the Wednesday morning um, if, if nothing had happened in, in that. But these are the decisions that you're making Often at about two a.m. in the morning, when you're on the phone to Jez, who's driving back from somewhere, and you, you know, you're in the height of it. So, yeah, I think whilst we completely respect and understand what it what it looks like from an external point of view, in the background there are often multiple layers of things going on um, that we've got to consider. And I stand by at the middle of this is is human beings and their families, and that's not 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 always easy to take take care of. You've got to be as fair as you can to people. Um, because it's their lives, it's their, their their livelihood. So not just what we're trying to do and what we may have to do in order to create headroom or space, but equally what 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 others are doing. And I think that's something that like, I'm not quite sure the games games got it right yet. Player welfare, player care, um, you know, is is incredibly important. And yeah, I think at, at times we often forget these are, these are young men that are expected to pick up their lives at 24 hours notice and find themselves sometimes in a different country just, just like that. Um, kind of touching on some of the stuff you mentioned there, you recently went to Parliament and spoke about the fan-led review. Um, how did that go and how confident are you that the changes that were initially put in the brief and all the outline, um, how confident are you that they're going to be implemented in the game and will hopefully see the kind of reform that we need to see at this level? Yeah, well, I think that, well, the first thing to share was Look, I'm a, I'm a lad that grew up in a council estate in Sheffield. I, I never thought I'd be sat in Parliament across from the sports minister, um, giving my views or, or trying to articulate what 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 you know what's needed in the game. So it was an incredibly humbling experience, um, and I was really proud to be invited down and, and, and be part of the delegation to to do that. Um, look, I think it goes without saying, and we all know this. You know, we are a you know, and, and I don't mean to be, you know, patting ourselves on the back, but we're a reasonably well-run football club. We're financially as, as sustainable or as smart, you know, uh, sensitive as we can be. We don't overspend. We we understand, you know, at the start of every year, we look at what the the hole to fill would, would need to be. We make sure that we've got the ability to 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 operate to that model, and then then it's my job and and the rest of the team's job to try and improve that. Um, but our game is wholly unsustainable. And a lot of, you know, we, people talk about Berry Football Club and that was the catalyst of, of, of the challenges that we had. Now, you know, I, I want to be really clear. In my opinion, you know, there, there are two things. There's climate and there's weather. And Berry was the weather. You know, it was rainy that day and Berry went out of, uh, out, of, out, of um, out of business because of a rogue owner. But the reason why they had a rogue owner in the first place is a climate matter. And the climate matter is that football clubs and owners are desperate for help and support. These businesses are unsustainable. 
And therefore, when, when owners get in beyond their, beyond their reach, when, when it goes wrong quite quickly, as it often does, then people are obviously in a distressed situation. And that's why you get bad owners in football, is because they're often, you know, football club owners themselves are looking for a way out or looking for help. I, I can assure you, having spent 21 years in the industry, you know, I can count, you know, one or two people that I've, I ever believe have got into football with, with, with bad intentions. And we need to fundamentally fix this because regardless of, of, of what people believe right now, the power in the game, some people say it's held by 20 clubs in the Premier League. It's not. It's held by six clubs. They call all the shots in our game. And the rest of us fundamentally have to have to sing to their tune and, and work to um, you know work, work to their agenda at times. And every time that there's a renegotiation in the payments or, or the funding model, <clears throat> fundamentally you have to give something away. You know, you just look at the EPPP model. So what the what the Premier League will tell you is that, you know, Lincoln City were awarded X number of pounds last year from the Premier League to help run the academy system. But the flip to that is that there's also a compensation model in place so that if we do develop players, the Premier League can come at any time or Premier League clubs can come at any time and just take those players off your hands for, for relatively cheap or next to nothing. Um, and that's why we've got to solve some of the financial issues in the game because it is just... You know there are there are well there are 92 but there are more but there are 92 clubs in the Premier League and the EFL and it is weighted so far in the favour of those clubs that are in the Premier League right now that we've just got to to find some balance. Um, it's not Moism, um, like Angus Kinnear claimed. Um, it's not Tesco helping out the corner shop like like I've also heard. This is a the, the football is an ecosystem and if you look at the Premier League at any one time, you know clubs have been. Um, in, in League Two, as they have been in the Premier League, and, and right throughout, and, you know, we've seen a couple of ex-Premier League clubs end up in the National League this year. So it's just about making sure that any one moment in time, clubs that are in the Premier League can't homologate the league, lock it in, and then try and make changes that then enshrine their right to be there. So, yeah, how, how did it go? Um, reasonably well. Um, you know, I don't, I don't mind saying this, but, but you're dealing with politicians, so you know, often they, they, they give you, you know, the response that you want to hear. So, you know, the proof will be in the pudding when they produce the white paper, which has been delayed um, in the next few weeks, but, but certainly hope um, that they're going to support us, make the changes that we need to, because we have to, or else you're always going to have to rely on the goodwill of a Clive Nates, a Harvey Jabara, a Jay Wright, um, in order to keep football clubs going, and that, that, that shouldn't be the case. Yeah, I think that's the thing when, you know, when you say about, like, having climate and weather, that's an analogy that I'd be proud of. I really would be. And I never come up with that. Yeah. Right. Cheers, guys. <laughs> I mean, first of all, can somebody get Nick Oxbury a glass of water? I mean, seriously. Either that or a rusty saw, one of the two. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. You may have already answered this question anyway, but if you could change one thing about the game tomorrow, one single thing, uh, apart from obviously us being in the championship, um, either from the fan-led review or from your personal experience, what would it be and why? Um, yeah, I, think, I just think it would be the, the, the rules in terms of how we make decisions because um, the one thing I always say is, you know, we are, we've got responsibilities to the Lincoln City, but we also have one vote as a custodian, as a member of the EFL. And I understand that system and, and it works in some, some instances, but it's also deeply flawed because self-interest has to come into, it, come into play. Um, and I just think if we can just use this opportunity to once just reset the game in, in a modern era because by the way the Premier League is this country's greatest export and there's you know we don't want to hamper that, that that's not what we're trying to do um, but I just think that if we could just change how the game is governed and set up 
that then just creates a, a fairer um, network of clubs for the future. I think at, at that point we'll then protect what is a fantastic um, asset for this country. Um, so yeah, that, that and referees. But anyway, <laughs> well, we'll not we'll not get started on that. I take a bit of stick sometimes for my referees. Um, the other thing, like I mean, we've talked about incomings. Obviously, it's not all incomings, and one of the concerns I think that some people have had. Looking from the outside in is when we're losing um, backroom staff, good staff. We attract good staff to the, the football club, but I think Joe Hutchinson was one that's gone, Ross Burberry another as well. Um, how, how do the club balance the quality of staff with the amount of time and retention? And, and is it something that, um, that, that you feel needs addressing at all? Yeah, no, I hear and, and, and see people's concerns on that. And, and of course, you know, first and foremost, you are, you know, you do want stability if, if you can. Um, the one thing I will say, and I'm pleased this isn't said with, with an ego or, or, or trying to be clever with this, but um, the one thing that we do set is really high standards and have high expectations of all the people that come and work in at, in at Lincoln City. So, so there is a high bar. Um, you know, nobody comes in and, and has a job for free. Um, at times, we have to make unpopular decisions and we make changes. Um, you know, looking at medical and sports science historically, we had far too many injuries. Uh, we had far too much unavailability. And when you have a squad... Um, and you have a, at times such a high injury or unavailability rate. You know we, we, we have to make we have to make decisions in those areas, and then looking to kind of you know what are you going to do to go and improve that? What are you going to do to enhance those provisions? Um, and of course we, we want to aim high and get the highest calibre of, of people in. But once you do get high calibre people in, be it in the the, the coaching and the backroom area or, or or other parts of the club, you know media and, and comms and commercial have, have had. You know, people move on in, in recent times. You know, they are they are going to be um, you know wanted by by clubs further up the further up the pyramid or or different jobs. And, and look, we we have to accept that and we have to build for that. Um, but as Mark and, and Danny you know alluded to earlier, I think legacy would be a strong word for someone like Ross. But he came in, he helped us um, make huge changes in a department that that frankly needed it. Um, and, and I don't mean that as a slight on the, on the people that have gone because I, you know a lot of respect for those people and they did a good job for us at that time and we've got good relationships um, you know with, with the majority of them and, and, and wish them well but we, we needed to shake up that, that area of the football club and we've done that um, and, and then Ross ultimately yeah was, was given an opportunity to join his you know his, his former mentor and, and be part of you know a bigger football club you know Derby are a bigger football club to, to Lincoln City right now their infrastructure what they can pay what they can offer is more and we, we have to accept that I think the one thing just to be really clear is if we start losing people to football clubs that aren't further up the pyramid or they're going to jobs that aren't a promotion yeah at that point by all means come back look at me and say well that was a load of cards wallet that you were that you were talking but our people are fundamentally, when they're leaving us, they're going on to higher jobs within an organisation or they're moving up the football pyramid. And for me, I'm incredibly proud of that because I'd like to think that we've played a small role in, in their career and helping them um, and, and maintaining the relationships with them going forward. So, yeah, it, well, it, it's part of it. It's not ideal, but we, we have to accept it. Can I just ask a, a question on that? Like, Obviously, there was the, the news when, um, when Mike left that there was, you know... Uh, compensation agreed with with QPR is that the case with a lot of backroom staff or is that more of like a generic I found a new job I'm going to move work my notice and head off no no so, so one of the things that always surprises me is that people think just because they work in football that employment law doesn't exist yeah. like it, it absolutely it exists and, and it's two ways so everybody in a contract of employment has a notice period both ways 
typically what happens in football without giving the game away too much the notice period that you put in the contract is the notice period time or cost you have to move them on but equally the compensation value that you would you know you would receive in in return those two things if not directly correlated they, they have a relationship so um yeah people people moving on we, we will receive compensation so it's either because they've worked their notice or because the the approaching club have said no we'd like that person earlier so can we can we have them well therefore this is what it costs you or occasionally it can be a hybrid hybrid of the two Wonderful. Well, I've got one last question. In the summer, will you be taking Andy Pearson's season ticket round again, or will you make the lazy sod come and get himself? This time? <laughs> he hasn't stopped whinging at me, has he? No, because so. he was hinting at it. We went to Andy's boss like in March last year, and he was saying how oh, we wanted you to go round. I think um, he has a crush on you personally. Do you, Andy? Where are you? Uh, yeah, I know he's there somewhere, silent. <laughs> he's communicating in emojis. You just can't quite see. <laughs> That's a smiley face as he's doing that. So. He was waving at me with his fist clenched. <laughs> Do you get that a lot, Liam? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> um, Liam, look, thank you very much for your time. Um, really appreciate it. Round of applause, please, for Liam Scott. I'm fangirling now. And one thing, right, I'm a, a 40... 44-year-old man, and I still get nervous around Lincoln City players, because like, you know, when I was 10, 11, 12, I used to have pictures on my wall, that's all well and good, Fee won't let me put pictures of Lincoln City players on the wall, and if I was going to pick one summer signing whose picture I would have on the wall, it would be Paulie O'Connor, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks very much for having me. Absolute pleasure. You know, I, I, I don't think I will get a picture of you. Uh, I think that would be a bit scary. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether more for you or for me. Um, so we're going to chat to you a little bit just about your career, some of the way you started, where you've been, what you've done, and then a little bit about Lincoln City as well. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so I used to write for a football league website, so actually I, I kind of remember you coming over to Leeds. So obviously you started over in Ireland, um, then came over to Ellen Road, uh, as a senior professional got hooked up with their under-23s. Tell us a little bit about that, starting out and how the move came about. Yeah, so I suppose I had a bit more of a kind of a, a different route um, over here than probably the, the norm for a lot of Irish lads um, who kind of usually come over at maybe 16 and do their scholarships um, and things like that, whereas I kind of stayed in school. Um, I signed with my local League of Ireland team at 16, I think. Um, it was, we actually had English manager, Stuart Taylor, who's um, kind of worked as a number two under Paul Lamberts um, over here uh, quite a bit. So he was, um, he was a, our gaffer and yeah, he gave me a, a chance at 16, kind of threw me into the deep end and it was kind of sink or swim. Um, obviously up against a lot of experienced senior pros um, and managed to play kind of maybe two, two and a half seasons, um, kind of while doing kind of our equivalent of the, the A-levels um, back home. So... Um, yeah, it was obviously very enjoyable. Uh, managed to play a lot of games um, in a couple of years as well. So um, you, you kind of learn on the job quite quickly the, the kind of do's and don'ts of things. Um, I started a, a university degree in engineering. was about 18 months into that um, when the League of Ireland season finished. Um, we, kind of, we run from kind of January, February time through to October. So yeah, in the off-season, came over to a couple of English clubs, um, Leeds being one of them. and. 
yeah, they took a liking to me and I signed in January, so that's what kind of brought me over. Um, signed a, it was a two and a half year deal under originally Gary Monk. Um, so I was kind of, as you said, linking up with the, the 23s and kind of continued to develop um, with the coaches there and kind of train with the first team, playing 23s games, things like that. Um, there was a couple of obviously kind of younger guys kind of breaking in around the, the squad and it's kind of been the 18 months um, from then um, kind of got a bit more exposure. Cool. Um, any particular highlights or, you know, players that you played with around that Leeds 23 side that have, you know, stuck in your mind or gone on to do better things or bigger things, I should say? Um, yeah, there was probably um, the ones that kind of were my age group where um, Tom Pierce kind of shot in a sea were both playing um, um, Wigan and, and Burton at the moment and Bailey Peak McFarrell um, was in goals who's now at Burnley um, obviously the ones that were in around our age group is the obvious one is, is Calvin Phillips and players like that who was um, a year older I mean he's obviously gone to do um, very well for himself so yeah I think um, when, when Paul Eckenbottom got the job um, he obviously did a very good job at Barnsley and, and got the Leeds job and he kind of put a bit more faith in the, the younger ones when uh, maybe there was injuries or suspensions and that's how kind of a lot of us got a chance and yeah, we managed to, to play a few games. And of course, um, as a young player, you went out on loan, uh, Blackpool I believe. Now, I remember writing about a cup tie against Arsenal where you had quite an eventful game, I understand. Yeah, um, yeah Gary Boyer took me to, um, to Blackpool on loan. Um, it was kind of the January or the July after that season that I kind of had a few games for Leeds and yeah it was um, a bit of a throwback of a club Blackpool at the time it was uh, a bit rough and ready in terms of kind of training ground obviously coming from Leeds where you kind of had everything on the plate field whereas um, kind of Gary used to kind of sign good lads we had a, a very good group there um, worked hard for each other but yeah we got um, a nice tie away at, at the Emirates um, it was around Halloween time I remember and uh, yeah, as you said, very eventful. I think we were 2-0 down at the time and managed to score. Um, they had been sent, uh, a lad sent off for them, so they were down to 10. And uh, I think I got a bit excited. And uh, a ball came out to Bamiang and he got on the half turn. I thought, don't really want to get in a foot race with him. So, um, yeah, took him out with the knees and got sent off. So, <laughs> uh, it was a, a bit unfortunate. Um, our manager was trying to claim that it was... More orange than kind of red, but um, yeah, I got a, a three-game ban for it on the end. <laughs> and I mean, kind of joking aside, how important is it for young players coming through under twenty threes, etc., to get out on loan and you know, maybe not score at the Emirates and then get sent off for chopping down Aubameyang, but general kind of senior football? Yeah, we were just speaking over at the table. Um, I think it's 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 massive for kind of development and getting to understand first-team football because um, I suppose from a manager's perspective, it's the kind of trusting. Um, if you're getting a lad that's maybe 22, 23, um, signing for the club and he's maybe only played a handful of games, it's it's probably kind of hard to, to put your trust in him. Whereas if you're signing a fella from maybe a Premier League club or a Championship club who's, who's gone out on loan and he's kind of done it, um, it's a bit more it's a bit more easy for them to, to kind of trust you and, and throw you in. So... Um, obviously the, the club here do it very well I think um, with the, the two boys um, Longy and Sean going, going over to Ireland last year and now Freddie and Alicia kind of heading this year so yeah it'll be, it'll be massive for them because there's nothing like games and, and a match experience um, obviously the, the academy has served their purpose um, in, in developing technically and, and things like that but um, I suppose tactically and as I said before um, kind of building up that, that CV and, and games is, is big Sound. and 
I think you went on loan to Bradford, but then you signed for the permanently. Now, they're a big club, they're in League 2, Bradford, you know, I don't want to hack anyone off, but they're probably as big a club as Lincoln, certainly historically. Was it a difficult choice for you, swapping a kind of a top-end championship club for, for League 2 to kind of further your career? Um, probably not. Um, I know from the outset it might, it might look like that, but to be honest, I, I kind of came over here and my path will probably back that up, um, kind of not chasing... Um, the status of kind of being a, um, a footballer associated to a big club. I just wanted to come over and, and play games and continue what I was doing kind of back in Ireland. So when I kind of found out that the games were going to be a bit harder to come by, um, it was Bielsa had come in and in the off season and we had a, a lot of running done. Um, so I was I was flying fit and kind of raring to go and um, obviously went out on loan that year and played a few games and got the taste of it. Um, so... I kind of didn't fancy going back um, back to Leeds. I still had a year left, but it was kind of going to be much the same. You'd go out on loan again and, and do that circuit, which I think you can only do for so long. Um, and I had a good relationship with Gary Boyer. He had actually come full circle. He had signed me at Blackpool um, 12 months previous on loan, and he had actually took over Bradford then by the end of the year. So, um, yeah, he offered me a three-year deal, and just the opportunity to play games and um, sat down with my dad and, and my agent and felt like it was kind of too good of um, an opportunity to pass down and um, there was obviously um, chances to stay in League One um, where I'd been obviously playing for the year but um, there's probably no guarantees as Lazlo found out if maybe you want to stay at even a bigger club in League One it doesn't kind of guarantee you anything so I just felt like games kind of under my belt and um, kind of work your way back up was the best thing for me. Well, that leads me nicely on to the next question, which was obviously moving from Bradford to Lincoln City. Um, the rumour was that you know bigger clubs than Lincoln were on the radar, like Sheffield Wednesday. What was it that swung the decision for you to come to uh, to Central Bank? Um, yeah, I suppose just the opportunity to, to get back to League One um, was the, the main thing um, at the start. It was, I'd done three years at, at Bradford in League Two and... Um, Felt that I'd kind of been consistent enough and done well enough um, in my time there to kind of deserve another shot at League One. So obviously the the aim going there in the first place was to get promoted, and I think towards the back end of last season when we kind of realised that that wasn't probably going to happen. Um, again, it was a case of kind of speaking to 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 people close to you and working out what was best for me. And I found that um, yeah, as I said, another chance at, at League One was the way I wanted to go. And kind of from then on, um, obviously the people at the club, Jez and um, and then kind of got in touch and um, yeah, had a couple of kind of good meetings and just liked everything about the place. Um, obviously, the opportunity to progress. It's a, a very progressive club that gives young lads kind of opportunity to play games. Um, so yeah, I felt like it was it would kind of suit me and and obviously um, the gaffer got the job and I had a meeting as well with him before before I signed and just yeah um, thought I'd kind of develop and hopefully progress and yeah that, that was the the main reasons. Cool. Well, I mean, you've obviously settled into the footballing side pretty well, I think most of us would say. Um, how have you found everything away from the pitch, like the atmosphere around the club, the city, the people? Are there any any stories you can let us know from, you know, inside the dressing room or, you know, stuff that we might not normally find out? Um, no, it's, it's been very enjoyable, um, obviously. No, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, since um, it's it's a great group of lads. I think the one good thing about having kind of a, a younger squad is that we're kind of all um, in the in the same age bracket in terms of kind of interest outside of football and things like that. There's um, 
there's a bit of a golf crew um, at the club. There's um, also for the gamers out there, there's um, Clash of Clans and um, Stickman Golf, which uh, takes over the, the dressing room quite a bit. Um, so yeah, that's I was it. really excited when you said for the gamers and you said Clash of Clans. I know. Just, I know. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, there's, there's, it's a great group and. There's, um, we obviously socialise outside of football when, when the time is right as well. We've had um, a couple of nights out, which are always good to, to bring the lads together. And hopefully over the next few weeks now, with the, the few new signings, we're able to do that again because it's a, it's a good way of kind of getting them to settle into the, especially the area as well, having moved. Um, most of the boys have moved here. So, yeah, it's, it's been enjoyable. Let's talk about on the pitch. Because in terms of performance, I think we can all agree the defence has been almost the one consistent all season. I mean, incredibly solid. We've probably got seven centre-backs that we'd get into 95% of the other squads in this division. Um, how important is that kind of competition for places and also how challenging is it coming up against that every day? Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's certainly, um, I suppose it can only be a good thing in terms of, um, for me personally, um, with the, the, the competition for places because um, there's, there's obviously lads there with a lot of experience um, at this level um, and then also lads there with a lot of ability as well that maybe haven't had the game time, so... No, I think the the gap we touched on it with the the different formations. Um, it's probably a plus that we're at that bit more of a flexibility to to be able to go to three when we need to, and still have the the depth there for cover. And obviously injuries has um, played a part in in lads being fit for selection. Obviously Lewis is coming back from um, a long term injury, um, but yeah, obviously since he's come back in, um, he looks flying fit and. I think um, we're all very pleased to have him back in the fall because you can see his quality straight away on Saturday. And I think if he if he gets a run against um, the kind of sky's the limit for him to be fair. But um, no, the, the the lads have been have been very good, and um, it kind of just drives standards and training really. And, I mean, I know you haven't scored for Link, but let's say you had against Bristol City in the cup. Um, <laughs> was it nice not you to get your job as a website? <laughs> was it not? Was it nice to get your first goal for the club? Not that you had. Yeah, um, I suppose it's um, something we work on quite a bit, even though maybe results um, don't show that because we've definitely not scored um, enough goals from set pieces than we probably should. Um, so yeah, getting the one uh, away at Bristol was, was um, obviously a very proud moment to get the, the first goal for the club. Um, but yeah, we, we do work on it quite a bit and um, something we're, we're hoping that we'll, we'll kind of click on the pitch and we'll, we'll get a few more. So a couple of fun questions, first of all, uh, last of all. Um, so I used to ask these of the other players in the programme. So if out of any of the current uh, playing squad, one of them had to be sent to the celebrity jungle, who would you send and why? Um, I'm going to send Jacko, just because A, he doesn't care what he looks like, so I don't think... <laughs> I don't think that having to have a haircut or shave in however long you're there a month will bother him. And two, I think he'll eat anything. So uh, <laughs> some of the challenges I don't think would be an issue for him. So yeah, Jack was going to get my vote for that. Uh, same question, but Love Island. <laughs> don't say that anything on that one, please. There's a lot more candidates for that, I think. Um, <laughs> I think there's a sunbed in Lincoln that gets uh, a lot of use. Um, I won't name names, but um, Danny Mandrew. <laughs> yeah, uh, Dano and uh, a few more seem to um, be spending a lot of money in there, so I think they'd, uh, they'd fit right in. Um, I think he's the, 
the turkey tea as we slag him as well to, to go with it. So uh, yeah, there's, there's there's a couple of boys in uh, in the runner for that one. Now this is a question uh, for my partner. She wrote down a whole load of questions for me, and she loves this one. Um, she would want to know if you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? Uh, probably a bit of a boring one, but uh, time travel, I think, um, just in terms of we spend a hell of a lot of time on a coach and it's quite a boring journey, so just to be able to, to get back home nice and quick and obviously being from Ireland, probably being a bit biased as well, but yeah, just being able to get back home a bit more as well would be nice. Surely teleportation. Maybe that's the word I was looking yeah. for. <laughs> you've got, he's a nerd, you've upset him. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it is. So finally, um, last thing to, we need to bring up, two Player of the Year awards at Bradford. Are you going to go for the Triple Crown? Jeez, <laughs> oh, I don't know about that now. Um, no, look, it's, yeah, it was something that obviously I was um, very nice to pick up the, the couple of awards at Bradford. Um, as I said, it was probably just down to a level of um, consistency over the couple of years that I was there that um, the fans were able to probably see and yeah um, look I think first and foremost I don't think many players um, certainly not myself anyway will kind of start out the year with that kind of top of the list to be a lot more team orientated but I think to your own performance on the pitch and if you keep at a certain level throughout the, the kind of whole season 46 games or whatever we play um, yeah they kind of take care of themselves at the end of the season. Wonderful. Ladies and gentlemen, I must get the pronunciation right. I've got a brother with a similar name. Bordy O'Connor. <laughs> so, for those listening in at home, the sound quality is going to be awful because it's been recorded on my phone. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, but for those of you here, we've got something more coming up. But first of all, if you're listening at home, that's your lot. If you wanted the bonus and the DVD extras, you should have come. So ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the live podcast. Thank you very much. around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.